You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Happy Monday. It is the Monday following week 12 of the 2020 NFL season. Thanksgiving is in the books. We hope your weekend was splendid. And boy, do we have a Cyber Monday deal just for you. It is Monday Football Monday, the best show on the SB Nation NFL show feed. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcast. And while you're at it, I know you got an iPhone. I know you got one on Black Friday, whatever the case may be. Go into the podcast app. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review, tell us how much you love us, that we're better than the Oddcast. Although, shout out to Brandon Lee Gowden. He and I uh, got together for a special edition of Friday Football Friday. But that is inferior to where we are today because every Monday we all discuss what happened in the NFL. We've got some Chiefs dominance (laughs) to get into. The Tennessee Titans announced themselves as the true champions of the AFC South. The Los Angeles Chargers continue to be a disaster. We're going to hear from Michael Peterson from boltsfromtheblue.com to get into them. I was fascinated personally by what Kirk Cousins was able to do. I don't think that that sentiment was shared by my Monday Football Monday cohorts. And of course, COVID-19 continues to uh, really just run its course throughout the NFL this week in a way that we had never really seen before. Michael kissed Pete Sweeney. Boys, happy belated Thanksgiving to you guys. Yeah. Full of turkey, ready to go. Kissed, how was the big ham? Oh, the big ham was great. I had ham, turkey, I had I had my cranberry sauce from a can. Everything was beautiful, man. Now, now after this Sunday of, of worry-free football, we've got the Eagles coming up tonight. Nobody needs to watch that. Uh, if you haven't seen the Eagles this year, please excuse the mess. It's not always like this. Actually, it is. But here we are to talk about Sunday football, thankfully, here on Monday. I can't wait to watch the Eagles game, I bet. personally. That is a, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I, I sit back, I relax, I get a little... Uh, Monday takeout. Uh, I do want to say, RJ, before we get into the football, right? I mean, Thanksgiving's now over. It is officially Christmas season for those who celebrate. So I'd like to wish you all a very Monday Christmas. Hey, Merry Monday Christmas to you. Okay. Um, I'm <laughs> honest. I thought Pete was going somewhere. Pete is our pun master. I thought he was going somewhere with the Jalen Hurts thing. I thought he was going to go Kyler Murray Christmas or something like that. Uh, a few years ago, when the Cowboys traded for Amari Cooper, it was a wish you Amari Christmas. So I, I'm sure at some point Pete will find a way to get into um, the fun in that regard. But Pete was very busy on Sunday. Kissed, you mentioned it. The Cowboys and Eagles did not play, so we had the day off, so to speak. But the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, on a mission, kind of a personal mission to announce themselves in the site of what will hopefully be Super Bowl 55 down at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, Florida. The Chiefs taking down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 27 to 24 a bit of a misleading score I think Tyreek Hill really stole the headlines had over 200 yards and three touchdowns in the first quarter no big deal he's on Arjo Ochoa's fantasy team that's right that's me Pete your takeaways from the latest Chiefs conquest 
Well, the Kansas City Chiefs obviously are coming off the Super Bowl win, so automatically it it turns into the next year's Super Bowl or bust. And I, I think there are only a couple games on your schedule each year where you identify before the season, these are Super Bowl contenders that we're going to play. The Chiefs already beat the Baltimore Ravens on what was Monday Night Football. This was the next one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They do have a matchup with the Saints in three weeks. But I think what you learned is that the Chiefs are simply a better football team than even a lot of the Super Bowl contenders. Someone was asking me last night, you know, who could beat the Chiefs right now? And following this Bucks game, I really feel that the Steelers, of course, will give you pause and maybe the New Orleans Saints. But you have a game here where the Bucks have a pretty good defense and Tyree Kill has 203 yards in the first <laughs> quarter. Someone tweeted out that that was more than any receiver in a game this year, uh, and he was on pace for 800 (laughs) yards in the game. Ridiculous. Yeah, you were right about the score. The Chiefs go out and they take a 20 to 7 lead. If you're complaining, there were some missed opportunities early where there was a sack fumble, which was a 14 point swing. Maybe the Chiefs weren't as aggressive as they wanted to be. McCole Hardman would have had an 89-yard touchdown, which actually might have given Patrick Mahomes the single-game record for passing. He had 462 yards in this game. I thought the defense played a little bit better. Patrick Mahomes, if you're watching from a Chiefs diehard perspective, he was on the ground too much. The pass protection needs to be better. You saw Le'Veon Bell playing a little bit more toward the end of the game because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, although he is a talent, is not necessarily the best pass protector right now. The defense took strides, but the offense is so good right now that once again, I think for the second year in a row, the Chiefs defense is average. They're still going to be a very, very, very challenging team to beat. Before this week, the Chiefs were in the desert known as Sin City, and I believe the last line I saw had Kansas City by three and a half, so they did fail to cover in that capacity. Kissed, you have said many times here on Monday Football Monday, again, the best show that the SB Nation NFL show offers, uh, that it's the Chiefs and then it's everyone else when it comes to the NFL, and I feel like, again, the score a little bit misleading. This game only validated that idea. Yeah, 100%. You know, the the, the Chiefs had issues putting them away thanks to like a drop touchdown. There, were, there was a bunch of penalties being the culprit for that but overall I mean this was domination from the Chiefs they they jumped out right away and jumped all over this Tampa Bay team Tampa Bay for their part trying to figure out what they are week to week I have no idea but I'll tell you this much I think RJ your take you know from MFM1 where you said that Bruce Arians was overrated oh yeah is certainly playing itself out Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, was considered by many a future head coaching candidate. The odds of that happening have gone down week by week by week as they continue to just have a baffling offense that has not evolved, has not figured things out. There's communication issues still. We're, we're in week 12, communication issues. Tom Brady and Mike Evans, and Mike Evans still has 11 touchdowns in 12 games, so let's not like poo-poo him or anything like that. But there are obvious issues getting on the same page here. That's on the coaching. And every touch that they give to Leonard Fournette is a net negative for them. Look at the weapons they have around them. I say when they signed them, everybody did the thing where they list all of the weapons for the Bucks, And then when they signed right. Fournette, they added Fournette. I actually think you leave him off that list. You don't give him touches. The list is better without him. The offensive coaching staff is not realizing this. They're making some really weird decisions. It's just super odd from the Bucks. I thought they would start to figure it out by this point in the year. But we may have already seen their high point, and it came earlier on in the year when they were scoring points, when their defense was a top-five defense. All of that has kind of faded away now. I wonder if Tom Brady regrets going to Tampa Bay finally. 
Bruce Arians apparently was asked a question. I don't know where I heard this. I think it might have been on the CBS broadcast or whatever. But they said, well, when is Brady going to be comfortable with your offense? And they said next, I think he said next spring. Brady's 43. I don't know if this was the right coach to pick. And it might have seemed like, okay, it's the anti-Belichick. And this is going to really work because I'm going to have fun. Losing isn't fun. And you could see that Brady right now is not having fun obviously loves to win and he just doesn't have time on his side. I mean, he needed it to, to work right away and probably should have picked a head coach to RJ. Again, your point probably should have picked a head coach that could make an offense and build an offense very quickly around what he does. Well, it, it's, it's Brady trying to fit into the Arians bubble when Arians should have been, I think a little bit more uh, surrounding what Brady likes to do. Yeah. I also think one of Tom Brady's greatest assets, and people dog him too much for this, and the Patriots in general, is that the AFC East was such a wasteland. And that's that's really smart, and that's really strategic. That's why LeBron James had so much success playing in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you can call it a weakness, whatever, but he went and poked the New Orleans Saints. And uh, we'll get into what happened to them on Sunday and you know later on in our quick hit section. But, I mean, it, it is so clear that they are the second-rate team at best in the NFC South. Some people say again nobody here but some people say that the yeet of the week is the most prestigious award that monday football monday offers i want to offer the inverse of that the te of the week um (laughs) and that does go to bruce arians i appreciate both of you giving me my props and my kudos for kind of calling out how how bit of a fraudulent you know the hype was uh surrounding him but before this game during the sunday news dumps adam schefter puts out source Bruce Arians was going to draft Patrick Mahomes when he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Get the hell out of here. Like that that, this this is why Bruce Arians is a fraud to me. And I don't I don't mean fraud in in too aggressive of a way because he has shown he is a a legitimate head coach, but he's not this like God mode that everybody makes him out to be. He's this guy that panders to the media. He's cool. He he wears the Kangol hat. He curses and he'll he'll be the one dude to your point, Pete, to call out Tom Brady. So everybody is like mystified by his swag. It's fraudulent, it's lame, and it's archaic, and I don't like it. Can I just make one point on that as far as that goes? I hate when general managers and coaches do that. And number one, I really do believe that Bruce Arians loved Patrick Mahomes. But sure. if you love him that much, you do go not you do not sit there and get poached. You move up to go get him. You didn't love him enough. You didn't want him enough. That's why you don't have him, period. Lame, lame, lame. Uh, I mentioned I had Tyreek Hill on my fantasy team once again. Congratulations to me. I might be the come up of the week. We'll see later as Pete awards it. But imagine if you had Tyreek Hill and Derrick Henry. Your opponent must have had no shot. Derrick Henry went off. And again, I mentioned the Chiefs taking the Bucks game personal. It did seem uh, there was the report that, you know, Coach Vrabel showed film of, of the Titans players getting pushed around by the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday Night Football. That did not happen at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Titans housed the Colts 45-26, to the final score. Kissed your Titans. You put them on the charcuterie board this week. Pete and I had to eat some crow as we, uh, unfortunately, were uh, were too smitten with the Colts. How do you feel? Music City Mike. Look, this is a, I love this because I've always believed in the Titans. I'm the number one Titans fan in the world, as you guys obviously know. And I'm shocked that you guys didn't think that they would pull this one out. The first game was super weird. There were special teams errors all over the place. That was not sustainable. That was not repeatable. But this, I mean, to start, this was really fun. Touchdown, 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 touchdown is how this thing started. What more could you want? Are you not 
entertained. 46 yards on the first drive for Derrick Henry with four of them coming on a screen for a touchdown. It was obvious for the Colts that with no DeForest Buckner in the middle of that defense, who I would argue he allows you to play all that cover two that they play because he's so effective. It was obvious that Henry was going to feast. He ended up with 178 rushing yards, plus that receiving touchdown I just mentioned. Uh, the Titans offensive line had a heck of a game. And remember that that stat from NextGen, that XJAX stat I told you about last week with A.J. Brown? 69 mm-hmm. nice yards to the house on a catch and run for the Titans second score. Baby T.O. strikes again. And if the Titans are going to be dangerous, they need to be more explosive. They were in this one. Uh, Brown also returned an onside kick for 42 yards for a touchdown. The guy does it all. Uh, I was talking with John Ledger at a pewter report during this game, and he noted that the Colts off- offense is a good example of how arm strength can be overrated. I completely agree with them there. This scheme is so good. They're, they're getting guys open on horizontal triangle reads, and it only requires touch throws from Phillip Rivers to get it done. Rivers is well in the bottom half of intended air yards, but that's not what this offense requires to be effective and efficient except when you can't stop anything on defense and you have to open it up, which the Colts had to do. And boy, did that fail. So that's a major concern with them. In summation, Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, who I keep mentioning, is getting a head coaching gig this offseason. I truly believe that. Also, hashtag tighten up. Never a doubt. You guys are idiots forever, ever betting against them. Pete, um, you mentioned a few teams that could maybe beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl uh, a second ago or teams you think that are legitimate threats. Obviously, the Chiefs are the kings at the moment. I think we all would really like to see a Chiefs-Titans AFC championship game again. I Right now... And I mean, no discredit to the Steelers, and maybe part of it is that we haven't seen them in so long. I I think there's an argument. I don't know that I'd be the guy to make it, um, that the Chiefs and the Titans are the two best teams in the conference. Do you feel that way? I don't. I got to give it to, you know, the one undefeated team in the NFL that that is still undefeated at this moment. That's your prerogative. That's fine. Yeah, I agree. But the Titans are playing some really good football, certainly far better than they have just, you know, a few weeks ago. And I think that's my first of two big takeaways in this game is that we are so quick to judge the NFL, partly because it's our job, but we are so quick to judge the NFL on a week-to-week basis. I mean, we watched that Thursday night football game, and, and Thursday night football has proven in the past to be a complete separate game entirely where things go wacky and you don't really know what is happening in, in the game. And the Colts go out and dominate 34-17. to 17. Two weeks later, it's exactly the opposite. And I just wonder how much we should judge a team based upon a bad Sunday. I mean, you see all the time where a team gets blown out. Brady had a number of these in his career where he was blown out and all of a sudden ends up being a Super Bowl team. So you you like to see how the Indianapolis Colts respond to this one. The Titans are playing good football right when you want, I think, to be starting to peak, especially if you want to get into that picture where you have a home field playoff game. I don't think this is a team that's going to threaten for the number one bye, but you like to see them playing good football. My second takeaway is you just can't predict when Derrick Henry is going to have a Derrick Henry day and just ruin a game. Uh, Kissed, I, I, you did something with the scouting thing or whatever. I, I know that they have these things on defense called game records uh-huh. where... The defensive lineman typically, or or maybe it's a a strong safety, will just completely ruin a day and wreck a game plan no matter how planned you were. They're just playing out of their mind. I think the league has a couple of them on offense. Derrick Henry is one of them where if he goes off in certain games, the Titans are not losing. Dalvin Cook comes to mind. Uh, Devontae Adams maybe is another one. 
perhaps, not to bring everything back to the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill is entering that yeah. conversation, but certainly Derrick Henry is an offensive game wrecker. Took over this game, and, and yes, it was back and forth at the beginning, but at a certain point, you just knew how this was going to go. I apologize to you guys for springing this on you in this moment, but um, while we are recording, uh, the Indianapolis Colts releasing a message. Punter oh, Rigoberto no. Sanchez. Uh, the, this is the, the message uh, from Rigoberto. I'm just going to read it here verbatim. Um, the Indianapolis Colts tweeting out that they love him, their punter. Uh, his, his statement, like I said before, it's always God's plan and it will always be bigger than my plan. So grateful to be surrounded by doctors that helped me catch the cancerous tumor before it spread all over my body. I will be getting surgery on Tuesday. That's tomorrow at the day of our recording. And I know that it will not be an easy bump on the road, but I know I have my amazing wife supporting me along with family and friends reaching out. Unfortunately, there are things you can't control in life, and this is one of them. No plans or preparation would have gotten me ready for this kind of adversity, but like I told my wife, we can't flinch. Keep striving to come back stronger than ever. Makes me sick that I'll have to miss some time playing beside my brothers, but I know they will hold it down. I will be watching. Love y'all. Hashtag God's plan. Hashtag Gold's Nation. So uh, Indianapolis Colts punter Rigoberto Sanchez having a cancerous tumor that doctors discovered Again, you know, sincere apologies to you guys for for just, you know, kind of shoving this in your face as we're recording. But obviously, the Indianapolis Colts have another situation to deal with. I know I speak for both of you in saying that our thoughts and prayers go out to Rigoberto and his battle. Of course. Yeah, there, I, it's not much I can say about that other than, you know, thoughts to him and his family. There's not much I can I can add beyond that. That stinks. And Obviously, we're all hoping here that, that he's able to bounce right back. It is hard um, to transition back to football after this. I do want to note one more thing about the Titans. Um, Pete, back to your point about Super Bowl contenders. Uh, you did not mention the Green Bay Packers, um, who obviously did not have any trouble beating the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. But they will host the Tennessee Titans in the penultimate week of the regular season in a conference championship consolation uh, match, I suppose, what could have been Super Bowl 50. 54. I don't know how competitive that game will be just because Green Bay and Tennessee could have locked up respective things at that point in time. I would like to see a game like that. The old Matt LaFleur revenge game uh, would be fun, but uh, we will certainly uh, keep our eyes forward. Again, our thoughts go out to um, the Indianapolis Colts at this time. Uh, transitioning the San Francisco 49ers. I shocked the world. Is that too heavy of a way to say this? Um, beating the Los Angeles Rams, Robbie Gold with a last second game winning field goal. Uh, Kissed, you were hyping up Arthur Smith as somebody who's going to have a more prominent role in next season's version of the NFL. I am very curious to see if anybody bites on Nick Mullins. I don't think Nick Mullins is great, but I think that this is the way that narratives are crafted and people will look at, at situations and games and they'll fall for what Kyle Shanahan made him look like. Uh, but before I get to you, Kissed, Pete, your thoughts on Kyle Shanahan's squad coming out of the bye? Yeah, this was an interesting game. And I think we had sort of written off the 49ers for dead. And probably that was an incorrect decision. I mean, this was a team that was just in the Super Bowl. There were three interceptions and four fumbles lost in this game, which is always going to make for an interesting day. 
The LA Rams, in my opinion, are the most up and down team this season, the most hard to read team in the National Football League. We don't know if they're good or bad. We don't know if they're pretenders, if they're contenders, so on and so forth. They got wins against the entire NFC East, but also the Seahawks and the Bucks, who we regard as good enough and good enough wins to make them at least in the conversation. Their losses are to the Bills, Dolphins, and now the 49ers twice. Jared Goff looked out of sorts in this game. His first pick to Sherman the three of us could have made and on the pick six he just did not see Kinlaw and Kinlaw took it to the house the only reason the Rams were in this game was because of Aaron Donald's fourth quarter strip sack uh, Troy Hill on the return Goff pretty much wanted to blow it for them all day and eventually did the San Francisco 49ers in my opinion had essentially a starting lineup return in this game in Richard Sherman, Raheem Mostert, and Debo Samuel. That's like three deadline deals at once, 176 yards combined from Mostert and Samuel, plus seven tackles and the pick from Sherman. There was a play in this game on third and 10, and you talked about Nick Mullins. Playing this game third and 10, less than 20 seconds left in the second uh, quarter, and the 49ers had a 7-3 lead where Nick Mullins basically just had Aaron Donald in his face. And Mullins mans up, takes a step back, is able to complete the pass. The 49ers did miss a 50-yarder, but for me, that was a key moment in the game that where Mullins said, I can lead this team to a victory. And he did just that. He stayed calm, cool, and collected during the final six minutes of the game for two field goals and the win. Makes it look easy. Drop back, progression, playmaker. Drop back, progression, playmaker. And let's be clear. Five and six is a record that plays for a wild card. I think the dream of all four teams making the playoffs is now possible with the odd team out potentially being the Buccaneers, which is hard to believe that maybe Brady goes down to Tampa and misses out if the 49ers can go on a run here. Pete keeps talking about the the quarterbacks in this game. There was no quarterback in this game. I'm sorry. (laughs) This was Shanahan against McVay. Goff did his normal thing. Pete's acting like we don't know what the Rams are. We know exactly what the Rams are. We know that they have a high ceiling, but if Goff is having one of his days, they're going to be terrible. And they were terrible mm. in this game. How do you get swept by the 49ers? I mean, they just, for some reason, they have they have figured out the Rams. If he is under pressure, Goff just, just turns into a completely different quarterback. I don't know if there's a quarterback in the league with a higher ceiling or a lower floor. It is all about McVay. You, you have to think about this this whole picture with the West. I think Arizona is obviously a player. I think they make the playoffs. I think the Rams still make the playoffs, right? They're going to be a good team. They're going to get probably a win or two in the playoffs. They're going to have one game where you wonder what the heck it is they have playing under center, and they're not going to go to the Super Bowl because of that. Rams fans should be terrified of Jared Goff. I would be terrified. (laughs) I'm terrified watching him. And look, for the 49ers, again, Nick Mullins, not your quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, not your quarterback. Your quarterback is Kyle Shanahan. Just find a guy who can run the stinking offense from week to week because they haven't been able to do that. I agree with you, Kist. I think both of these teams, although the Rams more so, at least from a success standpoint right now, you know who they are? They're uh, We're all around the same age. You guys remember in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the villain Krang that was like a brain in this like machine body that he would control that's that's like sean mcveigh is the brain you know what i'm saying yep. like he doesn't have a body himself so he has to like I- insert himself into the body of jared goff and he unfortunately physically cannot do the things that jared goff has the physical gifts to be able to do but even then still somehow manages to mess up week after week goff is the quarterback to to kiss point that you just don't want that could keep you stuck in the mud for years because you're never bad enough yep. where you want to kick him to the curb and you have a high enough pick to take the guy that you really want 
uh, and you're never good enough to get it done. And you know, Kirk Cousins comes to mind. Garoppolo yeah. is another example. That's Garoppolo slash Mullins. As fans, you go through this where you almost wish you would have an awful year so that you can get that reset and maybe get that Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russ Wilson type of quarterback and graft somebody high. But who knows? You're right. I, I wonder if the Rams are just stuck in that nine and seven-ish window for the foreseeable future. We were going to get to our interview here, but I'm going to call an audible on you guys very quickly. Uh, we don't have to get too much into the Minnesota Vikings performance, but you both kind of hinted and danced around Kirk Cousins. A lot of people connecting him, obviously, to being the 49ers quarterback of the future because of the Kyle Shanahan situation. I do want to mention, because Pete, you said that that was the only reason I, I thought we should give just the slightest bit of love to the Vikings, who I did put on the charcuterie board. When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers returned Turn from their bye. They host the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the Vikings are also five and six thanks to that big win over the Carolina Panthers. I I do buy that the Vikings or 49ers were, are going to stumble their way into the playoffs as that third wildcard team. Maybe it's Minnesota beating Tampa Bay that kind of catapults them over them, whatever the case may be. Do either of you buy that at all? All right. <laughs> Thus concludes Vikings talk on Monday Football Monday. I I have just a, a note on on the Minnesota Vikings and and the Carolina Panthers. If you want one, I hate to do this. Kirk Cousins is not a friend of mine. Not someone that I want quarterback come in my football up, team. Come up, come but I'll tell you one up. thing. Begrudgingly, I will give him the come up of the week because. The Vikings could have died yesterday. Really? The, <laughs> wow. They, 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 they could have in this wow. game. Guys, it's a metaphor. They could have just turned over, rolled over and said, you know what, Panthers? You had two back-to-back plays where Jeremy Chin returns his fumble. Hashtag Chinsanity. You're down. You have this muffed punt where now all of a sudden you're down by six with less than two minutes to go, 27 to 21. But here comes Kirk, Uncle Kirk, doing exactly what I said in the previous point, just showing you enough to stay the franchise quarterback where he is able to come up and get a big win against the Panthers on the Panther side. I think they're a year away. I think they got some young pieces, maybe need another draft. But on the Vikings side, here they stay at nine and seven in the playoff picture, I guess, a little bit and enough to probably keep Kirk Cousins for another year. So begrudgingly, I give this awful despicable disgusting quarterback to come up of the week oh boy i got two i got two quick takes on this uh the vikings don't deserve eric hendricks two picks in two weeks nobody will notice because it's the vikings Two amazing picks yes one of the best linebackers in the game absolutely belongs in the conversation with fred warner bobby wagner etc etc wasting away on a bad team number two panthers rookie jeremy chin has two more touchdowns than jalen hurts not mad about that at all. I will echo Pete's sentiments on Kirk Cousins. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Big Brother, the reality show. Right. In the in the show, they give contestants, like part of like a punishment is like people are not allowed to eat like normal food. So they give them this thing that they call slop that is literally just like the basic nutrients to live. Um, and so like if you're punished for the week, you can't eat, you know, the, you can't have the luxury of like taste and food. So you have to eat slop. Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, Jared Goff, they are the slop of NFL quarterbacks. And that's just, does, that's, that's what it is. Does RJ sleep? Uh, the, how do you watch football along with every pop culture right. thing that, that exists? <laughs> I mean, you have so many of these shows that you, I, I, is it, what are you just, in, at midnight you go in and you watch your television? DVR is a wonderful thing. Um, look, I did not sleep on Sunday night because I was lying awake just so mad 
at the Los Angeles Chargers because they are on the verge of wasting away Justin Herbert. Kissed, you spoke with Michael Peterson from BoltsFromTheBlue.com about the Chargers' woes. Let's get to that interview right now here on Monday Football Monday. Michael, it is good to see your face again and talk with you. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. It's been a while. Good to see your face as well. It's uh, good to see someone else who shares this great name uh, that we have. <laughs> Overall, good to be talking football. Yeah, man, and I hope to see you again soon. We'll see what happens with the Senior Bowl and, and all that stuff. But uh, I, w- I would love to have a, a couple of a couple of twenty beers with you. But let, let look. <laughs> the reason that we're here today is to talk some football. Let's start by addressing this Chargers Bills game, which resulted in a twenty-seven to seventeen win for the Bills. The Chargers fall to three and eight. And look, the Bills are tough. It's not the loss that hurts. It's the manner in which these losses keep happening which seem entire, entirely preventable, especially in this one. Walk us through some of the egregious things from the Chargers side on this one. So I felt this game became a classic Chargers gaffe from the very beginning. And I, I know we're going to talk about the mistakes with Anthony Lynn and, and the mismanagement and stuff like that, but this game had more than just you know that note. It had egregious special teams errors where – the Chargers allow their opponents. I think right now they average allowing their opponent to start at their thirty or excuse me, yeah, their thirty-five or forward. I think on the first nine drives for the Bills, I think seven of them were on the thirty-five plus. I think three or four were on the forty plus. Um, there were boneheaded penalties. Two of them by second-year defensive tackle Jerry Tillery, who was playing defensive end. Uh, This week, because of Melvin Ingram's injury, they kind of kicked him out. Both of them led to touchdowns for the Bills. And then, obviously, we can get into some of the the clock mismanagement, these these calls that I think majority of NFL fans sometimes, occasionally, a couple times a year, watch their coach do something stupid. The Chargers, on a weekly basis, Anthony Lynn, on a weekly basis, is wasting timeouts. He's wasting clock time. And he's making actually Shane Steichen, I should say, because Lynn says he has no call in play calling on offense with these egregious play calls from, you know, within the five yard line, the back to back goal line fades this week, completing a Hail Mary and then running it. So there's a minute on the clock. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but for the most part, this game was almost winnable if you think about the Chargers having three turnovers. In the fourth quarter, I think it was in a span of seven minutes, a little over seven minutes. They got three turnovers. And this Chargers team was one of three teams heading into this game without double digit takeaways on the year. So this is unfathomable. They got three points off of three turnovers. Yeah. So it just adds up and adds up. And this game was just the latest in a line of horrible, horrible decisions and the lot. It was just a classic Chargers game. Yeah, everybody knows about the the run with no timeouts. Everybody knows about the QB sneak with pass protection. We we we've all seen those, but there's so much that goes into charging as you just uh, laid out there, especially with the special teams, which is the worst special teams unit in the league for sure. Because of this and because of all of that, do you expect to see head coach Anthony Lynn fired into the sun sooner than later? What what's the projection there? In my heart of hearts, I think he stays with the team. The Chargers have a, this have an odd sense of loyalty to their veteran players, to their coaches. Um, I thought they held on to Mike McCoy way longer than they needed to. Yeah. So my gut says that he he hangs on for the rest of the season, but I think he's already kind of opened the door for his departure. It's just not a, it's just a matter of like when, not if, at this moment. 
And and let's let's shift to the the focus for the Chargers, at least where the focus should be in terms of their quarterback situation. Because Justin Herbert, right, the odds-on favorite to win Rookie of the Year, you struck. It seems like you struck gold with the guy. I, I think if you asked most people before the draft, they would have said, and I know I said this, that Herbert obviously had an elite set of tools, but there were holes in his evaluation because of what he was asked to do schematically. At Oregon, which was a lot of perimeter throws near the line of scrimmage, didn't have to read the middle of the defenses all that much. What have you been surprised by with Herbert, the NFL quarterback? What's blown me away is his success uh, against pressure and his ability to bounce back from some of these rough starts, even in his first start against the Chiefs. A couple of his throws, he airmailed, you know, some easy stuff. I think as recently as the Jets game on the first or second drive of the game, he airmailed one to Keenan Allen on what would have been an easy third down conversion. So those things are still there. But for this kid to pretty much hunker down, settle in, and finish a lot of these games super strong. And again, this guy is thrown for 300-plus yards in six of his 10 games this season, ties Andrew Luck's NFL record uh, in that facet. He, he's able to bounce back, and I think that is such a veteran thing that you don't see from a lot of young quarterbacks. Usually if they start bad, you can kind of saddle up and just say, uh, it's going to be one of those games. So he's been incredibly impressive in, in that facet. And then – he, he's looking like he needs to in off-platform, broken-play type stuff. The way Deshaun, Mahomes, a lot of these guys are able to extend plays and, and, and feel confident enough to find a guy, let it rip, and, and, and he's having success here. I mean, it's you saw against the Jets that bullet he fired at Keenan Allen with, with a defender on him, but his back was turned so he threw it where he needed to, just got over the defender's hand. Special quarterbacks make those types of plays. You don't see it from a lot of veteran quarterbacks, but guys like, Herbert, Mahomes, Deshaun, they do it on a consistent basis. And that's why I think Herbert has shown, even in a small sample size, his first season, that he's going to be special. So you have him to look forward to. And if I'm going to yet again buy the Chargers offseason hype, which is a trap that all of us have fallen into, uh, if I'm if I'm buying that hype going into the 2021 season, what are a few things about this team that I'm hanging my hat on with that projection? What about it makes it like an attractive landing spot for a potential head coach hire? What are you looking at? Yeah, besides Herbert, obviously you look at the offensive weaponry around him. And it's not just like this isn't a, a young quarterback who happens to have good stuff around him. He's a, he's a good young quarterback with good young talent around him. And he's already developed really good chemistry with those best weapons. What I think is one of the most striking things about Herbert, again, what makes this job so appealing is that even when he doesn't have or doesn't use his best weapons, he's still able to find success with a bunch of undrafted free agents, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, Donald Parham. I don't think the number is as as 50-50 now, but I think when he had 16 or 17 total touchdown passes, half of them were to UDFAs. So offensively, that's a fantastic thing to have. Defensively, hoping to God Derwin James doesn't continue to keep getting hurt, but you still have Derwin James, right? You have Joey Bosa, who just went full Superman. Against the Bills this week, just an incredible stat line, three sacks, six tackles for loss. Absolutely incredible. And Drew Tranquil was a guy who everyone really thought was going to have a breakout year. Obviously got hurt for the season in the first game against the Bengals. But Kenneth Murray, you know, he is what he is. He, he's, he is the player he was in college, at least as of right now, but ton of potential there. So you do have some good young defensive uh, pieces as well on top of a guy who received such a big contract with Joey Bosa and has shown he's you know, he's worth that contract. So there is plenty to be excited about. But as of right now, a new head coach looks to be the thing probably keeping this team back. I definitely agree with that. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on Monday Football Monday, part of the SB Nation NFL show. 
Go ahead, man. Plug your stuff where people can find you, where they can find your work, all that. Go for it. Yeah, you guys can uh, follow me and find my work on Twitter at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. All my written work for the Chargers that is at SBNationsBoltsFromTheBlue.com. Uh, I do a weekly to biweekly podcast called Chargers Lately. Um, again, game recaps, game previews, everything in between draft stuff when that time gets around. So a lot of good stuff going on over there. We'll be back after a very quick break from a word from our sponsors. All right, welcome back, guys. We reshuffled the deck. All the game talk is over. It's time for the quick hits portion of Monday Football Monday. I am still upset about the Los Angeles Chargers. A big debt of gratitude that Michael Kiss specifically owes to Michael Peterson from BoltsFromTheBlue.com. Kiss, you did a wonderful job. I always enjoy hearing your beautiful baritone voice. Uh, Kiss, in fact, because you did such a great job, I want to throw the quick hits to you first. What you got? Oh, boy. Okay, so let's get into Pete's Bengals, right? And we'll, oh. we'll talk about the the Giants as well here, but we 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 gave the Bengals back after Burrow was done for the season. But continue, you can go no ahead. for sure. But I, I I do want to hit on that because that's very important in, in what's happening with the Bengals right now. So number one, uh, the Giants were zero and four against non NFC East opponents coming into this one against the Bengals. They're able to take advantage of a Burrowless Bengals, a Bengals team that is also reportedly dealing with internal strife and a toxic culture that was only being held together. What? by the presence of Burrow. Elsie mm. Jesse of SI had the story. Google it if you want to know more. But the nuts and bolts of it are that there's zero communication happening with head coach Zach Taylor's staff. Players are disgruntled. They are not buying in. Position coaches are abusive and crass. Taylor and his staff are distant and unapproachable and so on. Duke Mannyweather, noted trainer of a good deal of NFL linemen and the man behind the, the OL Masterminds and Yearly Summit, took to Twitter and specifically blasted offensive line coach Jim Turner. It's a mess in Cincy, and you get the feeling that the loss of Burrow and his long recovery is going to be catastrophic for an organization that was simply being held together by the hope of his promise. It's a bad scene in Cincy, man. Quick point on Cincy before you get to the rest of your quick hits. This was actually a team. There are quick hits, by the way. No big deal. (laughs) (laughs) They were going to make Eric Biennemi their head coach, and at the last second, something happened. Zach Taylor became the head coach, and I wonder if they're regretting that point at, at the moment with all this stuff starting to come out. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Pete, that you know I often feel, and I've, I've never verbalized this take, but I feel like if you're a veteran NFL head coach that has the number one overall pick and spends it on a quarterback, that is often the kiss of death. Because if your season does not take off in that quarterback's rookie year, it's okay, we have found the quarterback, now let's go get the head coach to pair with him. We saw, I mean, just recent history, the Buccaneers got rid of Lovey Smith after Jameis Winston. The Rams did a very similar thing with Jared Goff. And I think that the Bengals, you mentioned Pete, Eric Bieniemy, could look and say, okay, we've got Joe Burrow, we have answered that Zach Taylor doesn't seem like the guy we missed before on Eric Bieniemy. Let's go get him now. He might be interested in the Houston job, sure, but they don't have any draft picks from now until the end of the century. So let's bring him here, and maybe we can entice him now. That there's, I think there's a, a thought to that. Pe- people throw Eric Bieniemy's name out all the time in every job. I would love to see Eric Bieniemy go to the Chargers. To go back to that point, people throw connect him to Houston. Kissed, you talked about rookie quarterbacks early on, or guys you find. Justin Herbert still somehow, I mean, is just being failed by this staff. Get Eric Bieniemy in there, and my God, that would be a lot of fun to watch every Chargers Chiefs game. Herbert and Austin Eckler 
kind of mixed in with the Biennemi version of Andy Reid's West Coast mm. in his own way seems like magic. Not that you want to just push Lynn to the side, but I just feel like that injection of the Biennemi leadership and energy, along with some of his, whatever he can create sort of from being um, Andy Reid's, I guess, mentee, if you will, um, would be an interesting wrinkle to the AFC, or AFC West. And of course, you'd play the Kansas City Chiefs, so you'd get that mentor versus mentee matchup twice a year. Speaking of potential head coaches, guys, I mean, are you seeing what's happening in Atlanta? Falcons interim head coach, Raheem Morris. I mean, he had a rough go in his stint in Tampa Bay, 17 and 31 from 2009 and 2011. But he seemingly turned things around and has smoothed over some of those edges. He's now 4-2 and two with a Falcons team that simply could not win before the switch. Those losses are to the Saints and the Lions. Lions, but was by one point. And now they get a statement win. That, that shouldn't have happened, honestly, right. to your point. Yes. And now they get a statement win over the Las Vegas Raiders. Looked great against them. It's something to watch as the season goes on because he might get another real crack at this thing. Like what happened with Steven Guskowski, potentially the come up happened a little too soon for um, Falcons head coach or interim head coach now. I want to say something about the Las Vegas Raiders. Pretenders. Complete pretenders. <laughs> yeah. They come in, they have this great game against the Chiefs where they win. Then they give them a run for their money. And yesterday, what an egg. I mean, what an egg. Derek Carr is another example of those quarterbacks. We were talking about these yeah, quarterbacks sure. that keep you stuck in the mud for years. That is another one because he's just okay enough to keep you out of the conversation for a top pick. By the way, there was another open job with the Lions. Matt Patricia has been fired. I think that's another potential place for NGM job, by the way. The enemy has to get one of these jobs. I mean, he, yes. he has to get one of these jobs. And, and this is my final quick hit, and then I'll turn it over to whatever you guys have left. Uh, we turned in the Bengals, and we have another 1A, 1B, of course, 1A, the Chiefs, 1B, the WFT, who went to work on Thanksgiving, just like I said they would. Alex Smith is going to win and lead this team to the playoffs. They are the best team in the NFC East now that Alex Smith, they actually have a quarterback that can win football games. WFT, WFT, WFT. I have three quick hits, if that's all right with um, the crowd here. Um, the first, Pete, you're right. The Washington football team won on Thanksgiving Day. Congratulations to them. I think this would agree that Washington's probably the heavy favorite in the NFC East at this point. I think Philly loses their next four games. I think the Giants lose their next four games. I think we would be remiss if we did not mention Marcus Paul, Dallas Cowboys strength and conditioning coordinator who passed away last Ooh. week. It's so hard to use this as a data point in a football game but the Cowboys a week ago we were sitting here talking they got that big win in Minnesota and they had a day to kind of breathe after just this trek through the wilderness that they had right. been on before this tragedy occurred they were on a short week which you both know is obviously difficult as is they lost their one true day of work on Tuesdays it was the day that the medical emergency occurred at the star in Frisco canceled practice canceled all media availability I don't think there's any you know doubt that they were uh, emotionally distraught when they played Washington. I'm not trying to take anything away from from the performance, Pete. I know you know that. But, I mean, this this Cowboys team, their next game, we should also mention, is actually set to take place a week from today. Originally scheduled for this Thursday, the Cowboys will visit the Baltimore Ravens next week because of their continued uncertainty when it comes to their game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is supposed to take place tomorrow. I do think that the time is um, obviously a, a circumstance that was born out of um, randomness and and the situation with COVID-19, but uh, it is much needed for the Dallas Cowboys as they just kind of need time to take a breath and gather themselves together. I do want to go 
back to the Atlanta Falcons here. I think that they are in a different place. Um, no disrespect to Raheem Morris and not that Matt Ryan belongs in the quarterback camp we've been building, um, our kind of collection of mediocrity with all these guys. Last year, the Falcons kind of came back, right? And kind of won out, you know, not won out literally, but, you know, saved Dan Quinn's job. And right. Pete, you mentioned it earlier. Sometimes an organization is in need of a cultural reset. And right. I do think that the Falcons are there. Mm-hmm. And I love Matt Ryan. I do think he's perennially underrated. I think maybe Matt Ryan should go to San Francisco and play for Kyle Shanahan. That would be a lot of Ooh. fun. But but I think that the Falcons kind of putting this thing together with scotch tape and glue and twigs here at the end might lull them into that false sense of security again where they run it back. Not that Matt Ryan is Dan Quinn, but it's it's time. You you have to just close this chapter and start anew simply because of how much time you do not have with Matt Ryan. Um, so I will be very interested to watch that storyline unfold. My final one is a bit of a a negative, you know, sort of um, boop on the NFL's nose here. Um, the Denver Broncos had the um, most wild situation that COVID-19 has presented uh, so far this season with literally all of their quarterbacks being uh, deemed ineligible to play because of contact tracing and things like that and positive tests. Um, so Kendall Hamilton, uh, as we all learned, played quarterback at Wake Forest and played quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Kudos to him for stepping up for his team, obviously not the best performance it was never going to be what I did not like and I hate to be old man get off my lawn I did not like the presentation during the Sunday news dumps and pregame shows like this is crazy this is fun let's have a great time no, no this, this this is a disaster yes. this was super unfair to the Denver Broncos and there's no level of consistency here with how the league handles it. I know they pushed out the like literature with the league meeting they had or whatever you cannot tell an entire world of football fans oh yeah we're gonna make the 49ers play we're gonna make the Denver Broncos play we're gonna postpone this game we're gonna postpone that game this was a travesty and this this was the most embarrassing situation that the NFL has handled with regards to COVID-19 so far this season yeah I don't know how the Titans were the first team to go off the rails and they were almost rewarded with this bonus week and that was how you started this season and then you had the 49ers play on short rest with like half their key players out and then now you're having where the the Steelers and the Ravens get the benefit of the doubt yet the Broncos are playing without a quarterback I understand maybe it was egregious by the quarterbacks and you had them on film or whatever like that what is going on this reminds me of when the NFL started suspending and punishing players off the field and then kind of went back on it and then they were people were having different suspensions for different cases a complete botch job so far. And I wonder if we see the NFL hit the pause button, because again, I think the facilities are closed Monday and Tuesday. What's going to come out of maybe this mini break? Are, are there going to be decisions made where you're going to have to have a week 18? I think you're heading toward that. Yeah, This is Westworld. This is, I don't see anything, you know, it, it's, it wasn't a game. It was a meme. No, it was embarrassing for the league. They need to, they need to be way, way better than that. Um, Eight wins in a row for the saints though. Right? <laughs> no, but like, 
what if they get the one seed by a game? Right. Yeah, and I I don't want to be like that dramatic guy, but that's you know, what if you're the Green Bay Packers and you lose out on the one seed because of that game? Not that you know any of us think that the Broncos with Drew Locke or Blake Bortles or whoever would have beaten the Saints, but to your point, Case, like it, the the idea of a competitive you know like that was equal gone. playing field is completely gone yeah. at this point. Right. Punishing teams because they're like, oh, the, you know, the other quarterbacks in the room didn't wear masks and everything like that. Okay, cool. If you if they if they're regulation their protocols was was even across the board their way with dealing it was even across the board they wouldn't be punished for getting something that everybody in the nation is practically getting like not to be hyperbolic but like can you really be blamed for catching this follow the protocols don't go out like all that stuff but like come on man these these guys are these guys are going through enough and making enough adjustments in their life to where this 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 should not be the product that you put on the field on sunday you should have a chance to compete for the year to the week you should have a quarterback. Right. Speaking of the yeet of the week, I just have to fit this in there. On third and seven in the second quarter, about six minutes to go, Kyler Murray off his back foot with pressure, off platform, mm. guy just bearing down on him, finds Damn. Dan Arnold, his tight Arnold. end. <laughs> 30. I be- Couldn't get the win, though. I, guess. <laughs> I, had to, I, had to, I had to get the yeet of the week because it's the most prestigious award here on Monday Football Monday. RJ, take us home. Right. Man. I know everybody wants to know in closing what the green jacket of the week goes towards. <laughs> Pete, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, I have um, I've torn it in half just for this week. Mm. And, and yeah. w- one arm of it goes on Tyreek Hill. The other arm goes on Travis Kelsey. As we sit here the right. Monday after week 12, the league's two leading uh, receivers from a yardage standpoint. Of the year. We, all, we didn't mention, I guess, this just a final footnote. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars by their general manager. You know, hey, <laughs> hey that, right? That that that's that's a good job, by the way. You have an owner that's willing to spend money. You've got a lot of draft capital. You're looking at a total reset. Everybody wants a total reset. They're going to find a way. It's a pretty clean slate with some money for a potential GM. Doug Marone. Oh, he'll be he'll be gone at the end of the season. I think the Jaguars are right in keeping Marone because you don't want a Raheem, Raheem Morris situation where you have right, an interim right. come in, shine, you decide to run him back, and it's just more of the same. I'm very excited for Monday Football Monday throughout the offseason because of the number of general manager jobs that are open, the wild college football season that we have had, picks being docked, picks being traded, like... The next offseason is going to be fascinating, just and, and unlike anything we've ever seen, obviously. But you know, I'll just I'll be the next guy to say it. Unlike anything we've ever seen before, this show was unlike anything you have ever heard before, and it will be unlike anything you ever hear. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating, write a review. If you want us to talk about something, you have a question, you want Michael Kiss' phone number or address, just put it in the review. Put your request. Uh, we will certainly look to answer everything that we can. Kiss social security information. It's Whoa. Cyber Monday. You you want to you know get a deal, whatever. Boys, it was a lot of fun. Looking forward to this coming week. Kiss, give us an Eagles prediction very quickly pain <laughs> all right that was Seahawk. it's the seahawks today monday football monday more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.